You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 161. For this edition of the podcast, I chatted with Ashley and Johanna of the Brooklyn band Groupie. Since forming in 2015, the band has established themselves as a staple in the New York City music scene. Thanks to their high-energy live performances, biting songs, and tireless work ethic. Late last month, they released their highly anticipated debut album, Ephemeral, which showcases the group's evolution in both sound and themes, as the songs on the record represent a more inward-facing focus and lean into more shoegaze and post-punk textures. During our interview, we chatted about the band's origins, which started with a Craigslist ad, how Ashley collaborated with her mom on the lyrics for Deleco, the fate-like way that the final track, No Hands, came together, and a whole lot more. Plus, Ashley and Johanna picked some awesome records, and we got into how Hole has influenced their sound and what it was like playing with Death Valley Girls. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. Hey, I'm here with Joanna and Ashley of groupie they just released their awesome debut record ephemeral congratulations on the release how are you both doing today hello we're doing good so how's it feel to have this great collection of songs out in the world i know it's been a weird time to be a band, be a musician, has it feel to have it out there? I know it was also delayed because of COVID, kind of a common story with a lot of different bands and musicians. Yeah, it, feel, it feels good to have it finally out. Um, we definitely delayed it a bunch uh, because of COVID and kind of, I've always pictured this as like, I don't know, I've, I've like been picturing our record release show for, I don't know, months, years, like <laughs> for this record. So it feels kind of sad to not be able to do that, but it still feels good to have them finally out. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I agree. Like not being able to play a release show really sucks. Um, but I think also having the delay of, you know, taking a while or taking our time to put it out because of COVID. Um, coming back and like listening to the songs again after taking a break from them. Like that was kind of a cool experience. Like, yeah, all right. I, I really like that part, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's gotta be affirming to listen to it and be like, <laughs> it's still good. Holds up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great record. And I know it's gotta be challenging to have to <laughs> sit on something that you've had finished for pro probably a while now yeah it's been so it's i guess finished since there. may of last year um 
I think that's when we got the masters back and kind of just started taking our time putting together, you know, our marketing stuff or whatever. We do all that, all that ourselves. So, um, yeah, just took our time. <laughs> now it's yeah. January. And it's here. It's out. Everyone get it. Very good rock and roll dot bandcamp dot com. I'll never forget your bandcamp address. <laughs> good. <laughs> Good band <laughs> camp address. Just an early, um, just an early band choice before we had really figured things out, and it just stuck. Yeah, um, also, I remember it's it. To find groupie URLs too. Yeah, so <laughs> descriptive is good. So it's very good yeah. rock and roll. But I digress. Tell me before we get into the record and all the specifics related to it. Give us a little background on the origin story behind Groupie. You two really seem to connect very early on musically and personally. I know it started on Craigslist, which is always interesting and can be very hit or miss. So tell me a little bit about how this project started. Uh, yeah, so I think we... I guess, I guess it started in 2015. Um, I was reading a lot about Riot Girl, and I just read Girls to the Front. Um, and it was just a collection of stories about like Riot Girl bands. Um, and they had no music experience. And then, you know, they just up and started this really cool punk band. And I was like, damn, I want to do that. Because I had been kind of peripherally involved in music and going to shows for kind of like my whole teenage life um and then uh yeah and then um i just because i was inspired by the book i just decided to like write a craigslist ad and it was just like <laughs> i have no music experience but if you want to take a chance then <laughs> sounds good here's who i like to listen to and johanna took a chance on that crazy ad <laughs> here we are many years later yeah, i mean i thought our influences matched up really well um at the time i would serve craigslist every once in a while to see if there's anything interesting on there um some of them were hit or miss like you said tom so um this one you know it was kind of like oh let's just see what happens and um i think we really clicked uh at the time i'd sort of just been playing music, you know, in my apartment, hadn't really been playing out live much, so I kind of wanted to put myself out there and um, see what came of it. Yeah, from, from what you describe and from what I've read, it seems like you both definitely were on the same page as the type of music that you wanted to create and the direction that you wanted the project to go in. But it also seems like you two had a really strong personal connection pretty quickly. Uh, how do you think that personal connection between the two of you helped you connect musically? <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, we, we like met at Alphaville for the first time um, in like the fall of 2015. And I just thought Johanna was awesome. Like we had been communicating via email before then and um she was sending me some of her like solo stuff and i was like man this girl's awesome i really respect her yeah and then just 
I don't know. I feel like we've had like a lot of like drunken <laughs> shenanigans since then. Like I've gotten like kicked out of some bars and gone to a lot of shows. And it's like it's uh I don't know. Our friendships kind of developed like beyond music stuff too. So yeah, it's hard yeah. to hard to describe. You know, from the beginnings, say like your first two EPs and coming to ephemeral now. I definitely hear a change in your sound, but I'm curious as to how you think the band has evolved from its early days until up until now. Up until now. Yeah, there's been, there've been a lot of changes, I think. Um just kind of on all different fronts. Like we've had a few different lineups. Um I think what like our influences have kind of morphed over time as well. Um, my skill level has definitely changed throughout the course of um, our existence. Like when we were first starting out, I was I was learning bass at the same time as like we were writing songs, and so um, so I, I feel like it took me some time to start to kind of start to finesse the bass lines and just music theory, and um, and then I feel like our early stuff we have more like punk leanings and more riot girl leanings, and then now we're kind of like moving into more like weird experimental stuff um, and like kind of like more post punky or shoegazy stuff, and just being a little bit more free with um, bringing in different different influences and stuff. Um, yeah, would you say it's similar? To yeah, um, I think just practicing a lot over time like helped us hone our sound a little bit more playing live a lot helped us kind of figure out how to find the space in our songs when there might be you know a lot of noise or bleeding and so I think you know just learning through experience has helped us a lot um yeah actually you mentioned kind of learning bass as you went along with other I guess, players in the band that maybe had a little more experience doing music. What was that like for you? Did you find that the rest of the group was really supportive and that kind of helped this band continue to evolve into what it is today? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I had wanted to learn an instrument for a really long time, but I think finally being in groupie and like having the incentive to like keep up with all these musicians who are so much better than me. <laughs> I think that really kept me going um, and gave me like the emphasis I needed to just keep getting better and better. Um, and Johanna especially was super supportive. Um, continues to be like as, you know, I was learning and giving me pointers and sending me articles and things like that. Um, so it, it definitely was... Yeah, the, the, there was a lot of motivation coming, motivation and support coming from my bandmates that really helped um, get me Yeah, that's super am. cool because I remember being like a new player in a band like back in the day and it didn't really work out and then I just like gave up so unfortunately you know so it's cool <laughs> that you you had this supportive group of people to to uh to play with it's really awesome and people who aren't you know Thanks, yeah. classically trained or don't have a lot of experience ha bring a lot of like interesting perspectives totally. yeah. to it and like you know the history of punk is kind of 
you know, built upon that. Um, so it's something I believe in, you know, and Ashley, like, you know, never gave up, kept working at it. So I think that's really cool too. Yeah, it totally is a big part of the history that I, I feel like is super important too, that the, the ear of someone that isn't necessarily classically trained in music is sometimes like way sharper because you know what sounds good to you and you kind of know what sounds good to other people too without getting bogged down in it a lot of the time mm -hmm. so your two previous eps are what you've described as more of an outward critique of society but ephemeral is more is a more inward looking record uh, what prompted your shift in focus uh, topically? Uh, did you find yourselves experiencing different things in your lives that led to a change in what you were writing about and wanted to focus on with your music? And and if so, when did you start to notice that shift? Oh, this is a good question. <laughs> um, I guess for me, uh, so I... I um, started writing the lyrics for some of our earlier songs. Like, so I, yeah, I posted the Craigslist ad like a few months after I graduated college and moved to New York. Um, and I feel like I, I had just started like working full time job and all this other stuff. And I was kind of just realizing a lot of things about the world at the same time. And there's a lot of experienced kind of like a lot of shitty things all at once and then um that kind of there's a lot of anger yeah. i guess associated and like like one of our first songs which is we re-recorded for this um album it's called poor you and um it was about me getting sexually harassed at my old job and like kind of this like absurd fantasy of abusers actually getting the punishment they deserve uh, for their wrongdoings and, and i think that kind of exemplifies kind of like the like directness of our like yeah early critique or something and now it's a little more nuanced um and just like you know Whereas we, we still are constantly thinking about, you know, like social justice and like critiques of inequalities in society. Um, but just like, I guess with more nuances or like more focused on like mental health and things like that. Um, so kind of looking a little bit more inward as well, uh, rather than just like more punk approach of like, you know, just calling out like power and all this other stuff, which is like valid in its own right um we still have some of that too um for me i i agree with all of that i think your 20s especially in new york are very like topsy-turvy and um there's a lot of reflection going on at that time um so you know for me when i try to write lyrics or a song um it's more about like what's going on in my mind at the time um, like feeling yourself growing older, ma you know, maturing, um, adulting. Uh, so those type of things, you know, just like <laughs> feeling that change within you yeah. and then kind of like reflecting on what that means or like feeling like seeing your younger self and kind of 
feeling a distance from that person um, is kind of a weird feeling. So there's a little bit of that on the album as well. Yeah, it's several different coming of age notions you could definitely hear on the record through the lyrics. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> on the record, you kind of describe what you said are these fleeting intimacies that get disrupted at certain points in your life. And I was just curious, which of those did you find were the hardest to deal with? That's another good one. Um, yeah, I think there are, there are a lot of subjects on the record that are, you know, kind of like, like half wave explorers relationships and like how, you know, sometimes like for me that was in this like terrible relationship and like that was like a very fleeting you know like it like was happened really quickly and was just like and burned itself yeah. to the ground and just you know and so it in that way it kind of was like ephemeral like in that you know it's it was there and then it was gone and and so i guess that's that's like one of so like the intimacies of like love and relationships and then there's another one um mine that's like about tour and tour is like a super intimate super intense like period yeah. of you know like growth and excitement and then like you uh, get back and you're yeah, like regular, in the yeah. throes of post-tour depression like <laughs> sitting at your nine-to-five job like oh my god what am i like what's going on like i could be waking up on someone's floor right now like <laughs> and um yeah so those are some of the themes at least that i was writing about yeah cool and so many great songs on the record one of them that really stands out one of the singles thick as glue which kind of as we alluded to dives into these coming of age themes specifically realizing that people that you looked up to definitely aren't perfect and they're also not eternal i'm curious when you start when did you start to have that rec reckoning with people in rock and roll or the punk scene that you looked up to that you realized maybe weren't all that they were cracked up to be and i'm also curious about some of the figures specifically that you were thinking of when you wrote that song um so when i grew up i was really into you know classic late 70s punk i still am yeah. it's still definitely one of my favorite genres or of music um so it's kind of a love story, but it's like a bitter love story to them in a way. Um, so it's it's about that, you know, like the New York scene and the history there. Um, but, you know, as you um, become about the same age as those people were, or even older, um, you just look at them differently. And especially if you're playing music yourself or you're in the scene yourself or you're playing live shows, you're kind of like, oh, these are the people I idolized when I was younger and here I am doing a similar thing. You know, the time frame is totally different. Um, but so it's kind of putting that into perspective. Um, 
I wouldn't say it's one particular feeling that I had. It was more of just a, a broad stroke of um, commenting on that kind of uh, thoughts that were going through my yeah, mind yeah. at the time. So it wasn't like you were thinking of particular people in the scene or bands or... I mean, so the skin like leather or I think there's a line in there about um, skin thick as glue is kind of like a reference to Iggy Pop. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, he's just like, he was doing crazy amounts of heroin and drugs and just like being a crazy person. Yeah. And he's still alive and kicking and making music till this day. And like, I admire that. But it's also like, how is he doing that? Yeah. It's so crazy. So it's kind of about that as well, yeah, too. I, I felt like maybe also a little bit, were you kind of thinking, do I even want this for myself, sort of? Yes, Was that yes. kind of <laughs> sinking through? I felt like I could hear that a little <laughs> bit, you know? Like, do you, Iggy Pop is, yes, obviously made some great records, great solo records. The Stooges are legendary, but the guy has definitely been through a lot and maybe is worse for <laughs> yeah. wear. I don't, you know, I don't know. We don't really know, but you know, so that yeah. there's also that perspective as well. Exactly. And that's what I love, like hearing, you know, you talk about that song and like sort of the meaning that you can get out of it. And you're like, yes, that's kind of what I was feeling at the time. And yeah. when you write a song, sometimes you don't really know exactly what you meant, particularly. And then when other people listen to it, they kind of can articulate your ideas just as well, if not better. <laughs> totally. Great tune. Great tune for sure. And of course, I love and correct me if my pronunciation is wrong on uh, uh, Deleco. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Deleco. Yeah. A lot of the lyrics, most of the lyrics are sung in Polish. And I think, Ashley, it's really cool how it incorporates that part of your identity and how you collaborated with your mom on the lyrics is really cool and powerful. And it captures both of your viewpoints, you as a first generation Polish American and her as a Polish uh, immigrant. Uh, how would you compare your two perspectives since I don't know how to speak Polish, so <laughs> I can't really yeah. totally understand what you're but what you're saying, but I think I could kind of understand where you're both coming from. But how would you compare your two perspectives? How'd you decide to also write this song and collaborate with your mom, which is really cool? Yeah, thanks for saying that. Um, yeah, I... I knew I wanted to write a song about um, immigration and how that impacts, like, I, I feel like a lot of, like, first-generation Americans always have this weird relationship with their home country or their parents' home country and with their relatives there, where you kind of don't feel like you belong there, but you also don't feel, like, fully American. Um, and I wanted to explore that a little bit more, but I didn't want it to just be about me i wanted to incorporate my mom's perspective as well um and like she she's not a musician or, at all but she like has always been really supportive of my like interest in music and so um i kind of approached her and she's like what me like <laughs> i don't know how to do that <laughs> and then um we were, I think it was Thanksgiving or Christmas or something and we were sitting at home and I was like, just, just kind of start like 
rattling off some lines in Polish that like I don't know, just describe like what you feel, like what your relationship is to Poland, like what it was like, how that's changed over time. Um, and so she just started kind of like just yeah, like just reassociating different words and um and I was just kind of writing them all down and I helped her assemble them into a verse. Um and hers is like really beautiful and flows nicely and like has like really like I don't know, kind of a poetic quality to it. <clears throat> and then mine is like kind of clunky. <laughs> Because I speak Polish, but it's not like I'm not like and I'm fluent, but no. I didn't grow up there. I don't I speak mostly English to my parents, so it's still kind of clunky for me. Um, and so it's kind of funny, like uh, comparing the two verses because it's and it's also like kind of the perfect metaphor for like this like first generation and immigrant uh, yeah, you know relationship. Um, and hers is a lot about like, uh, missing home and just how a lot of um the details fade over time um like she talked about how <clears throat> like when she first left like she could still remember like different smells and like how much things cost and then over time you just get integrated into a new routine um and then for me it was a lot about my relationship with my grandparents where i don't really feel like i know them and they don't really know me um which yeah. like we talk and we, you know, but it's not like they're here and they don't, you know, they don't, they stopped coming to visit a while ago. And um, my grandpa actually passed away in September of 2019. So now it's just my grandma. And um, yeah, so it's kind of my more so my relation, my like weird relationship with that. And yeah, yeah. And. What does it mean to you to be able to share your mom's perspective through your music? Like I said, it's really, really cool. It's such a cool idea, and it must mean a lot to you. Yeah, it I think means a lot to them too. Um, <laughs> I, we uh, got written up in like this Polish newspaper. It's like one of the oldest Polish newspapers in Chicago where I grew up. And it was like in print on their website. <laughs> like, my dad is like a very, he's like a very serious, like kind of, I don't know, like, you know, he's very like serious and stubborn and doesn't really like use like words of affirmation very much. And he calls me on it like the day it went live. He <laughs> was like, I saw the article. It was good. It was good. <laughs> I am very proud of you. And I was like, oh, and he's like, what? Did I say something wrong? <laughs> <laughs> there was just this moment of like, yeah, they're they're pretty psyched that their story is like somehow communicated out to the world, and yeah, yeah, that's it's really beautiful. It's yeah, very very beautiful. It's and cool that you came up with the idea to do that too, because I've never really heard anyone really do that before. So it's always cool to incorporate different perspectives like that, especially someone you know very close to you like your mom so i'm all about that i thought that was really cool part of the record thank you thanks and you mentioned this earlier you re-recorded poor you for this record which was one of the first songs you ever wrote as a band why'd you decide to re-record this song and i also really enjoyed the placement of the song in the middle of the record because I feel like it's the 
the most hard hitting and aggressive song on the record. And it's kind of like smack in the middle, kind of <laughs> separates the beginning and the end of the record. I was wondering if if that was deliberate. Yeah, uh, I think the the placing was deliberate, and I guess we that's like one that kind of has always stuck with us throughout our sets, like over the years. Um, like people who come to our shows are like, "Oh, that song's so cool," and we're like, "Okay, cool, yeah, we'll keep playing it," and so. And I think just thematically, because it touches on, you know, sexual assault, sexual harassment, that has been something that is constantly like, yeah. you know, even most recently with this, the Burger Record scandal. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, Me Too, I think, happened after we wrote the song. And so it, it uh, you know, it's something that is kind of like constantly present in our lives. And um and so I feel like it's still thematically like relevant and we kind of, at, at least like, Johanna, I know you like like the original recording and I like, kind of like it too, but then <laughs> I feel like I... I think it's great, yeah. I feel like my vocals, I was like trying so hard to be tough. <laughs> and then, You're overthinking uh, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this recording, it like felt... I don't know. It just like felt more natural. Like I'm more settled. I'm like, I don't need to like put on this air of like being intimidating. Just, I don't know. Kind of like felt more assertive and, but more subtle. So. Yeah. I think this song's um, improved greatly for, with the new, the new recording. Um, there's just something really nice about the demo recording. Too, <laughs> where it's, it's really raw. It's like pretty raw. Um, and it's nice that it's paired with Lonely Dog is right after Poor You on Ephemeral um, because we wrote both of those songs around the same time. I think those were two of the first songs we kind of wrote together. So I think they pair together really well. Totally. Good flow to the record, no doubt about it. And the closing track, No Hands, one of my favorite songs on the record and definitely one of the most powerful songs on the record. And I really like the story about how it came together, particularly the fate-like way you both wrote the lyrics for the song. Uh, tell me a little bit about the story behind that song. I think we were in practice, like the rehearsal space, and we were just kind of noodling on a riff and uh just jamming on that and then um i think we had both recently read patty smith's m train and um we both had written down some lyrics like influenced by the book um and we both had separately written down these lyrics so because we were just sharing lyrical ideas at the time um so that was kind of a an awesome overlap revelation that we were sort of inspired by the same book. Um, and it was the same passage of the same yeah, book. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And we were, yeah, we just both pulled out our notebooks. And we were like, wait, you, you wrote about that passage too? Yeah. <laughs> it was like fate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was this uh, chapter in, in the book that I was talking, Patty Smith was talking about like a clock with no hands and how that's kind of representative of how she views time where it's not like a constraint. It's just kind of this passing thing that, you know, 
can't really be defined by like the numbers on a clock and things like that. Um, just thought that was a really interesting concept, uh, not to be like tied down by, you know, societal norms and things like that, which kind of plays into one of the songs of, on her last EP, Five Year Plan, has like a similar um, thing. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it just kind of fit. Um, so we each take a verse in that song and then come together on the choruses and yeah feels like yeah we wanted the verses to feel kind of poetic similar to patty smith's style of of writing um so it's kind of a nod to her to close out the album yeah yeah i'm curious because that sounds like a really perfect way for a song to come together you you both seem to have this really strong connection in groupie. How do you approach songwriting as a duo? Is it very collaborative or do you sometimes write songs separately, kind of flesh them out yourselves or vice versa? How do you go about writing songs together? Yeah, I think, well, we usually come work on ideas on our own and then come together um, with a rough sketch or a rough idea and then work on them as a band at the rehearsal space yeah and it, it kind of depends on the song too like um sometimes i'll come with just like a baseline idea or a portion of a baseline idea and then we'll kind of jam on that as a band so then go back and write some more and kind of iterate on it um but yeah i think in terms of like super collaborative songwriting, No Hands was definitely like the one where we were writing together in the practice space. And um, yeah, whereas other times I feel like we kind of like add where our strengths lie, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you recorded these songs at different studios uh, instead of all at one at the same place uh, what was that experience like for the band and do you think that influenced the sound of the record at all um yeah i so we recorded the the um kind of like all the uh just like the tracks <laughs> like that without vocals or anything at um salvation recording co um, and then we did all the vocals at um, Hunter Davidson's studio in Binghamton, Business District Recording. Um, and so, and it was over like multiple sessions because we all work uh, yeah, yeah. too. And so I think that made it a little bit stressful because it wasn't like you could kind of, especially for when we were doing just like the instrumentals, um, so, you know, you have to like, record as much as you can and then pause and then come back and get like get going again and um and it kind of just puts a lot of pressure on those like shorter recording sessions to just get all of it out um and so i think on one hand like the engineer that we were working with really like pushed us to do like a lot of takes and get the best out of ourselves um so that was good um but also was like super intense um and then when we were doing the vocals with hunter he really excels at like being kind of like putting you at ease and bringing the best out of you that way where he's you know really affirming and 
Um, and so that was that was really nice to do for vocals, where like uh, Johanna kind of alluded to this, but I like overthink everything, <laughs> especially with vocals. <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, so it was really nice to have him just be like, "No, that take, perfect. Let's leave that." <laughs> I had the energy that you didn't have in that take and yeah so that was that was nice at least so did you both produce the record too I know you worked with engineers and it's recorded by Chris Daly and Hunter Davidson uh, it says in the Bandcamp liner notes what was that situation like do, do are you the producers would you say yeah um, I think both of them you know, had, like, contributed thoughts and ideas, too. Um, but, you know, the majority of that, I think, was done by us. Although I think it would have been helpful to have a producer on the album, too. <laughs> would have definitely um, streamlined the process a lot more. It turned out great, though, I just got to say. I really <laughs> did enjoy listening to it, and we'll <laughs> listen to it a bunch more as well. So you should stick with yourselves as producers because you did a bang-up job. That's, uh, Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, tell me about the significance of the floral cover art and how it plays into the, the themes of the record uh, specifically. Um, yeah, so... Um it ties back to the ephemerality of, of life, you know, things coming and going. So I kind of wanted something organic, um, wanted it to feel slightly abstracted, photography-based, um, textural, um, but sort of those deeper um, blues and reds were something that we wanted and thought kind of reflected our album. Um, you know, like tying back to the organic nature of floral elements, um, I think our music kind of ebbs and flows in a way um, that kind of uh, ties back to the album title and then also that cover too. Yeah, and and I, I feel like flowers are kind of the I can't I can't remember if we had the name already, but I feel like flowers are kind of like the peak definition of ephemerality, where it's like. Yeah they're beautiful like that there's this peak and then it's gone and then they're you know just like molding on your table <laughs> and, um and so i think that's it's kind of like a good symbol of the record as a whole we wanted to kind of keep the singles and the albums like as iterations of each other um and johanna yeah it's a it's a play on f um femininity too yeah. um so we thought like that was kind of a nice double meaning. Yeah, and Johanna did all of our album art. She does all of our art. She's awesome at it. Yes, yeah, great cover for sure. And I've seen Groupie play live a few times. I remember a very memorable show at Brooklyn Bazaar. I think it was like <laughs> two summers ago, which yeah. I had a blast at. Fun band to see live. What songs are you most excited to share in the live setting once live music returns you know the groupie album release show summer 2021 <laughs> well last time we played live was i think valentine's day show in 2020 at home sweet home mm -hmm. and we played waiting 
like right after we had kind of been fresh off recording and I think we'd only played it live like two or three times yeah. and it felt really good. I thought it felt really powerful. It was a lot of fun. Um, so that's one I'm also looking forward to playing again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to No Hands. <laughs> we played that one live a lot. Yeah. But um, that's like one where we just all kind of break out <laughs> on stage. Just like it's a good about closing it. <laughs> track on the record, too. It's got like a... Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of like, like an... Like we just we kept imagining like a bunch of like drunk people at the bar like fist be, like with their fists up like yeah it's just our anthem. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it ever that point, but, like, but that's like what we wanted. <laughs> um, and so playing that live is just like super fun because we're all just Amon's like shredding and I'm usually on the floor. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember. The <laughs> intensity of your set. It was cool. Uh, people love seeing that stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. all part of what we mi miss about live music, you know? Yeah. yeah. I remember Can't recreate that, show. that on a live stream, you know? Yeah. No. Doesn't have the same appeal if you're just like rolling around your apartment floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kick, kicking up dust and shit, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. Getting the dirty laundry out of the there. way. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. as not as punk rock for yeah. sure yeah i remember that show i like was feeling super unhinged because i had just like come back from uh this trip i was like uh on tour with my friend's band and doing merch and then i had just gone through an awful breakup and i was literally on the hinge that show i was just like i'm laying it all out <laughs> i don't care <laughs> So it was like yeah. jet lagged and crazy. It was awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah. It was awesome. We were all there. The three <laughs> of us were there. Yeah. Three people oh, can yeah. attest to the fact that it was awesome. <laughs> so everyone out there, you can take our word for it. <laughs> all right. Now we're coming to that point in the program where we're going to play some songs from my guest groupies brand new record ephemeral we're actually gonna hear a couple of songs as they're sequenced on the record so get ready for that we're gonna hear half wave to kick off this set then followed by tracks four five and six on the record thick as glue deleco and poor you <laughs>
jesteśmy tak daleko We're back, everyone. We just heard four songs from my guests, Groupies, brand new record. Of course, the record is called Ephemeral, and you can get it at verygoodrockandroll.bandcamp.com. It's available on limited edition vinyl and limited edition cassette. We heard Half Wave, Thick as Glue, Deleco, and Poor You Now. We're going to play some records that you both selected from my record collection, and we're going to talk about them. Loved your picks. Loved them. Cool. First up, Violet by Hole off of their classic record, Live Through This. This is a killer, 
killer opening track on this record. I love the like raw pain that Courtney Love conveys through her voice on this record, particularly on this song. And this song is apparently about Billy Corgan. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a great breakup song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm not particularly a Smashing Pumpkins fan, but uh, I we thought it matched up well with, you know, our opening track of Half Wave. Yeah, actually, totally. Actually, maybe you could talk more about that. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, the the Brooklyn Bazaar show, I was saying that I was, like, coming off of a breakup. This was, that was, this person is also who Halfway was about. It was just, like, you know, got, like, totally burned to the ground. Everything was crazy. Violet was my breakup song. And then, yeah, <laughs> we, I, yeah, kind of just after the fact realized that it was, yeah, I don't know. Violet's, like, an insane opener track for this album, which just, like, is so powerful and awesome and i would never compare ourselves to that level of awesomeness but i think it was kind of like a fun like blast in your face <laughs> yeah it's a good half waves a great great opening track i think it also like that album holds up really well yeah oh, fuck yeah um, like totally. some 90s stuff does not hold <laughs> up at all <laughs> um and it still hits pretty hard. Yeah. So, I I think Cole is underrated. This record is sick, obviously, and it's a record that they're most well known for. But that record they put out in 1997, too, where they kind of mm. get a little poppier and more mm. polished, is also really, really good. Yeah. Great songs yeah. on that record. Uh, and a very different sounding record, too. So it's cool to see that they were able to kind of do this grunge thing with really cool loud soft dynamics especially on violet and then kind of this like poppier more polished record um i forget what it's called right now but it's good i like it a lot is this celebrity Great skin band. celebrity skin, skin? Yeah. yes that's what it's called good album yeah yeah, yeah. agree agree Sleater Kinney, No Cities to Love, the title track off of that record. This was such a fun time when this record came out because Sleater Kinney got back together after 10 years and they they toured and all the shows were awesome. I remember seeing them at Terminal 5 right when this came out and Lizzo opened, by the way. Oh, yeah. So, like no one knew who Liz Lizzo was at that point. And I was like, she's fucking really good. This is a cool <laughs> yeah. situation. And um, yeah, it's just an awesome album and like a perfect comeback record too. Talk about like taking a decade off and then just not missing a beat. For sure. Yeah, was that 2015? Yeah. It felt like more innocent time. <laughs> Pre-Trump. Wow. Weird, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, we chose that one because Slater Kinney, I think, is, is kind of 
they've always been a big inspiration of ours. Um, even like like Carrie Brown's new when she was doing like Excuse 17 and stuff, like more of the Riot Girl stuff. Um, yeah, and I think I also have a lot of respect for them because they don't have a basis, which normally I'd be yeah. like, um, excuse me, where is the base? <laughs> but with them, it's mm -hmm. like they do such innovative stuff with their like dueling leads and um, I just think it's really interesting and you kind of don't miss it or sometimes you know one of the guitars is playing more of a bass line as yeah they're so sick i shed one tear when singing on live <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was great <laughs> yeah i shed tears and got like the poster and cried on it <laughs> yeah i got the poster, the poster too <laughs> hell yeah Tell me, what do you both think about the fact that Janet Weiss isn't in Slater Kenny anymore? It's kind of heartbreaking for me. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. That was sad and weird. I think just like the new record was such like a pivot from what they had been doing before. And it's still cool, but I, I don't know. I kind of, and I like St. Vincent in her own right, but it was, it's like, it's just definitely like different. So I could see if they had some creative differences, like, yeah that makes sense it is sad though i heard that like, it was disappointing i was very i was disappointed definitely yeah I, th I think angie boylan is their new live drummer and yeah that is cool she she's yeah. in um what's what she, she's in a great like philly band i know yeah her. yeah 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 um and so that was, that was kind of exciting being like wait i know that i'm like I, yeah so I, I, not I, we're not friends or anything but i've definitely like yeah. Seen next sunbathing animal song called black and white by parquet courts I like the uh, lyrics on this record and kind of the black and white dichotomy and like the dichotomy that kind of go in between freedom and captivity. And there were particularly, I was reading when um, I was preparing for this episode that they really were going into kind of the, the freedom of touring and being in a band and then also the like, captivity that comes with it which was interesting mm. i never really looked at that song or this record that way but then after like looking at the lyrics again i'm like oh yeah it seems like they're kind of diving into that sort of that's cool yeah yeah i didn't realize that either um but their lyrics have always spoken to me or been an inspiration yeah. just because i don't know the way he flows through words is very poetic too and it's very it's like writing versus singing you know what i mean so yeah. um but and like that song in particular he has this like kind of desperation in his voice that I think yeah. comes through um in an awesome way that like speaks to that's the song and what the album's about and then just them being like an awesome new york band and yeah us being in um, you know located in new york their live shows um have been an influence as well so yeah. yeah they're just awesome yeah they put on a good live show for sure they oh my god they're bassist to see live 
Yeah. Yeah. The bassist just looks like he's having the time of his life on stage. He's also like, like the bass lines and like wide awake and stuff. Like he's like a like probably one of my favorite modern bass players. So good. Very very good band. Dare I say very good rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Best descriptions reserved for one band and one band only though. Groupie. <laughs> Next, Buzzcocks, Everybody's Happy Nowadays, single. I have the 7-inch single. I forget where I got it. Somewhat recently, like a year ago, but I was pumped to get it. And one of my favorite Buzzcocks songs, so great pick. Nice. Yeah, we used to cover that song. Yeah. <laughs> it's Which is crazy because it's really hard to sing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we would have a lot of fun. Also, like, I... We picked this one because the B side's really cool on the single too. Um, Why can't I touch it? Oh <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. So, so we just love the fact that you had the the single itself with the great B side on there. Yeah, it's cool. Buzzcocks have come up a bunch in recent episodes. I, I was interviewing the Bats, and they were like, "We got to play with the Buzzcocks, and it was cool <laughs> because we really looked up to them." And I was like, that's great. <laughs> Did they say they were fans of your band? And they were like, oh, we didn't ask. I'm like, well, should have asked, man. But I said, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm sure they were fans of the Bats. <laughs> up priests bodies and control and money and power song called a doctor i gotta say my cool priest story is also takes place at brooklyn bazaar i saw them in 2017 right after trump's inauguration and it was the night that of the like chaos of the travel ban and stuff and they like announced from stage that i think it was overturned and mm. you know stuff like that when all that chaos was happening so it's really cool because uh to see them specifically kind of a band that really works in you know uh politics and social issues into their lyrics and for that to happen right there is cool very memorable show yeah yeah, for sure. They're definitely like um, a big influence on on us and especially on me vocally. Um, and we, we played with them actually at Brooklyn Bazaar. I don't think it was that show, though, because I think they played multiple times at Brooklyn Bazaar uh, that year. But um, yeah, uh, they just Katie Alice Greer like just can go from you know, like, really sweet, kind of sing-songy, like, she does a lot more of that on, like, Nothing Feels Natural on their most yeah. recent record, um, like, especially on the title track, and then I, like, I chose this one because 
I remember hearing this 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 EP was or album was like the first that I had heard um, from priests, and I was like, "Who is this? Like this yeah. is awesome. This like knocks me off my feet, kind of, you know." And then um, my parents like it's kind of a side thing, but my parents had a big midlife crisis and moved to a farm in Tennessee, and I would nice. go for like runs, which were mostly just walks, but. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, bad, I'm very bad at running. I would like blast this, that EP or that LP on my headphones, just yell to like the, <laughs> the trees and stuff, and, like sing along to it. And, yeah, no, her vocals are awesome. I love that song. Really incredible band. I was bummed that they broke up, but I feel like they're the type of band that they'll maybe get back together. I feel like why not, right? Yeah. I feel like as a band, we've gone to a lot of their shows too. Just been, they're awesome. Yeah, great, great live show for sure. Now, something totally different. Cocktoo Twins. Ice Blink Luck. I have a single also on Cherry Colored Funk as well. Totally different uh, tune, for sure, compared to Priest, Buzzcocks, and the, the rest. But, like, some of the most gorgeous music ever, probably. Mm-hmm. When I think about this band, <laughs> and one of the most unique singing voices ever, uh, Elizabeth Frazier, and hard to understand what she's saying. I guess everyone says that, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. Um, I think we wanted to pull in like a, a post punk kind of dreamy yeah. um, influence because um, you know we do ha- like I think on Deleco especially you can yeah. hear that come through. For us, so I think you know, Ashley and I have all talked about like loving some of that UK um, post-punk, like The Cure, um, Cocteau Twins. It just feels so nice. It sounds awesome. <laughs> Great music to put your headphones on and like close your eyes. Kind of like ASMR e sort of, <laughs> yeah. but not quiet. Yeah. <laughs> like loud ASMR sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like loud and expansive <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> And then, last tune, a brand new song, a 2020 record, an awesome record that came out in 2020, um, by Death Valley Girls, a song called Hold My Hand off of their new album, Under the Spell of Joy. I love this band. Um, 
I loved that video they did with Iggy Pop a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I love their like gothiness too. Lots of good stuff going on with this LA band. Yeah, for sure. We we played with them at St. Vitus. And oh, sick. That's awesome. Yeah, they're just like so fun, really supportive and awesome. Like, uh, yeah, it just was really refreshing to be like, damn, like you shred, but you're also really nice. <laughs> you know, like people, especially when you're like, kind of famous band can definitely be a dick but they're just really nice people and yeah yeah they're they're cool and the record's awesome so i volunteer at monty hall sometimes here in jersey city it's the wfmu venue i didn't uh, volunteer at the show that death valley girls played there but i went to see it but the people that like volunteer at the door and like work sound and stuff they're like so they have like specific names and they, and they were like they kind of like stay in character yeah know, they do. Like, yeah <laughs> so, that's cool yeah. i think that's really cool too I, yeah i also just purchased a death valley girls worship satan shirt nice. i kind of wanted to freak people out you know that's awesome i would buy one of those <laughs> yeah i'm a proud owner of it and i'm looking forward to like pissing people off <laughs> like Trump and shit. I'm all like, I yeah, I want you people to Trump supporters fear me for reasons <laughs> that don't involve guns and shit. <laughs> fear me for reasons that involve potential Satan worshiping or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we're coming to the end of the program. But before we go, tell me what's next for the band now that this awesome record is out in the world. Do you have any live streams planned, working on newer material, anything like that? What's what's up now that the record is out there? Oh man, I wish we had more exciting things to report, but I don't know how to use technology. So live streams, <laughs> Wait, I, I, maybe we we can figure it out at some point. Um, but we we really haven't seen each other much in the pandemic, just because we've all kind of been isolating. Amon moved to the mountains in upstate New York and has a giant beard. And, uh-huh. Why do people do that? People oh, keep doing that. I'm like, don't do that. I'm like, don't do that. Yeah. Stay here forever. Yeah. Stay yeah. Like he just forever. wanted to find a place where he could play his guitar as loudly as possible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's living on a farm, has two cats. Um, yeah. yeah. But setting up home, home studio, um, kind of getting some recording stuff up and running. Um, playing around with some different instruments be- besides guitar is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, we're hoping that people will listen to all the new tracks that haven't been released, like the singles we put out over the past couple of months, 
um, have gotten pretty good reception. So there's some other tracks on the album that could have been singles. You know, it was a really hard decision for us. So we hope that um, people will dig the tracks that haven't been put out yet. Absolutely. There are 10 excellent songs on Groupie's brand new record, Ephemeral. Everyone, you can get it on limited edition purple fruit punch vinyl at very good rock and roll.bandcamp.com there's also limited edition cassettes available or if you just like digital downloads you could do that too but get a piece <laughs> of physical media you know it's fun it's fun to hold oh, it in yeah. your hand and push play on your cassette deck or put the needle down on your record player. So do it. Very good. Rock and roll. Bandcamp.com. Also all over streaming services, Facebook, Instagram, check them out. Groupie. And we're going to play one of those non singles from the record. No <laughs> hands, which we talked about earlier to close the show. Johanna, Ashley, thank you so much for speaking with me. I really had a great time chatting with the both of you. Thank you so much for having us. It's, it was yeah. super fun. It's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you. And this is No Hands. Mm -hmm. 